Uh, in the early 2000s, which feels like it was yesterday, but is basically 20 years ago. Uh, early 2000, 2002, a, a, a cool kind of movie series started. It was called The Born Identity. I don't know if you've seen, and I'm not trying to recommend that, and please don't, I don't want to get in debate. Don't give me your emails about whether or not we can watch Born Identity, okay? But it's really awesome. Uh, no, it's fine. We, we'll have, we can have that conversation. That's cool. Born Identity was really cool because it was this first action superhero. That, so you, if you go back, it's either like comic book characters, which, come on, it's not real. I mean, just kids, it's real. <laughs> but uh, no, there's comic book characters, but then, uh, then there's kind of like James Bond type characters. I mean, as all these have like crazy gadgets and stuff that's not really real. Uh, the Born Identity came, and it was kind of like this first chance to see this action hero that was like, you kind of think, I think I could do that. I think I could. Like, he's a real, just normal guy. And it was so amazing because uh, he could effectively use anything to win fights against the bad guys. Like, he would used a magazine to beat the, just a magazine to beat the bad guys. So I was literally walking around the house. I'm seeing like Magnolia Journal. I'm like, I think I could whip somebody with this. I think I could do it, right? You ever had that? Ever kind of maybe wanted an intruder just to see you could do that? Y'all ever had that? Probably a bad idea. Don't wish that. I'm just saying, I just like, you know, Southern Living's right there. I'm ready to go, all right? And I love this, this picture, but the, the whole movie, the whole premise of the movie is this guy can do unbelievable things. He's this well-trained weapon, but he doesn't know who he is. And nothing matters to him. All the things that he can do, all the intelligence that he has, all of the ways that he can navigate across the crazy world and beat all the bad guys, no matter what, none of it matters to him. He actually just wants to know who he is. I can't believe, I don't think there's a better modern day parable for what's going on in the heart of mankind right now. Where there's just this constant, just upheaval. And now we're, we talk about identity, politics, and all these things. There's this hunger to know who we are. All of social media is literally revolving around this idea of identity and who we are, who we project ourselves to be. We see it all the time. The desire for identity to know who we are is so huge. We began to unpack a little bit last week this idea of what it means to be. Well, I want to just really quick, I want to re review from last week. There were two core things that we said are true of every one of us. And that is one, you have to be before you do. That before you want to do and do all the things, and there are great things that you are meant for and made for without question. But before we do, we have to be. To be. That our identity has to be anchored in, in who we are before we do all the things. Everyone's looking for that, meaning real, authentic connection with the Father, just to be with the Father, not to figure out what to do next, not to fix all of the things that need to be fixed, but just to come before the Lord to be loved, to be valued, to be accepted, to be pulled in, to be a son, to be a daughter, to be reminded of the favor that you and I carry just because we're his, period. It's the most important thing about us as we live our day-to-day -day lives. There are so many ways we get to talk again last week about how we begin to step into that. But there was a second piece that we talked about, 
And that is if you and I want to actually experience rest, real rest requires intentional rhythms. Or what we'll do is we'll default to trying to find people or things to find rest. And what we'll constantly find is that they never actually do it for us. When you and I look to other people to experience rest, if we look at, to other humans to try to experience rest, it never pans out. You can look to your spouse and you can look to your kids to try to find rest. I got, a, I got news flash for you. It's not happening. Now listen, spouses and kids are amazing. They can be encouraging. They can help us. They can be a blessing to us. They can partner with us to find rest. But they in and of themselves have no ability to be able to give you rest. You're waiting for your spouse to be able to make you okay or you're waiting for your kids to help make you okay. It's not happening. They're incredible partners in life, but they don't own the ability to give rest. If you're waiting for your boss to finally get his stuff together, her stuff together, in order for you to be okay, it's going to be a long time coming. You're waiting for your employees to finally figure it out so that your business is going to be okay. It's going to be a long time coming. You cannot wait on other human beings to give you Rest. They can aid and challenge and bless and encourage and lift, but they can't do it in and of themselves. So we often look to people or we'll look to outcomes, like things happening in order to find rest. We'll put our hopes of, if I could just get to the vacation. We talked about this a little bit last week, but here's the problem if you put your hope in a vacation. I think we said vacations are amazing. They're important, having experiences, but here's the problem. If you are waiting on your week or a couple weeks off in order to give you rest, what you're going to find is that whatever rhythms you have right now that are stealing from you, your ability to be at rest, they will still be there at the end of your vacation. You can go try to find all of the rest. If there is a churning inside of you where you can't experience rest, no days off are going to be able to meet that cry in you. And I'm so thankful again for all of those experiences and God gives that to us. Unplugging for vacation is, I'd say, not just helpful, but powerful. But that's two to four weeks and just newsflash, there's 52 of those in the scope of a year. And it's not fixing the things. And as we said last week, the Lord's waving his hand saying, I have a rhythm for you for rest. I have a plan so that you're filled up on a regular basis. God enters into the equation. As we said last week, he created all the universe in six days, and then he rested, and he said, this will be a part of the rhythm. Not because, listen, again, we said not because God God didn't create all of creation because he needed it to try to find validation. He was good. Nor did he have a seventh day because he was somehow exhausted from making fish. He was okay. But he, st- he stood back to be able to say, it's important to be. It's important to be. And so there's this need for rest. And this need for rest goes far beyond just the body. It's actually body, soul, and spirit. 
body, soul, and spirit, and these things are inextricably linked because these are the things that have made us or the reasons we're fashioned into the image of God, the ways in which we're fashioned into the image of God, body, soul, spirit. And we get more insight into this idea of these unique, this unique way in all of creation that we're all wired when they come up to Jesus and they ask him the question, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing that has come? That's effectively what I'm saying. What's the most important thing that has come out of the heart of God? What is that? And I love what Jesus, what, how Jesus answers this, of course, perfectly and succinctly. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, everything about you. What's Jesus pointing to here? He's saying you have, you are this whole being, but it's wrapped up in these unique and different parts of you. And each of them is incredibly important. What he's saying is God cares about the whole part of you. Hear this body, soul, spirit. He cares about all of it. There's a reason God knows the number of hairs on your head as we get to hear through scripture. It's not just for knowledge's sake. Have you ever thought about that? The point of the father knowing exactly how many hairs are on you, your head, is it head? Does it say head? That's awkward. On your head, the number of hairs on your head. Listen, have you ever wondered? It's not just for information. He cares about every part of you, every part of you. It's easy to read this commandment. If you're not careful, you'll step back and you'll go, okay, I've got to figure out how I'm going to love God more with my heart and mind and my soul and my strength, my mind. I've got to figure this out, okay? I'm probably not loving him enough this way. And I got to gin myself up to start loving him more in all of these arenas of my life. So what does that look like? What are we supposed to do? But that wasn't the point of what Jesus was trying to say. What he's actually saying there is uh, that he knows that wherever deep abiding love for God exists, peace and rest and purpose flows from it. That where deep abiding love for Jesus exists. All of the rest and peace and purpose that every one of us wants, it comes right out of that. When he's saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he knows that where the love of God exists, life flows from it. Life's coming out of it. That God wants life springing forth from our heart and from our soul, and from our mind, and from our bodies, our strength. That's where the greatest peace comes from. All of these parts are these unique and distinct parts of who we are, but even in their uniqueness, they're all linked together. And what we get to find out from the beginning is that if one of these parts is actually unhealthy, or if it's exhausted or it's worn down, then it has an effect on the whole. It has an effect on the rest of it. All of these are intertwined. 
And so if the body isn't nourished, then it has an effect on the soul and the spirit and vice versa. So that rest in the body becomes critical for rest in the soul and the spirit and vice versa. So in this letter to the Ephesian church, Paul's talking and he is describing this unique thing that has happened from creation that's pointing to this relationship, this connection we have with God. And he says, listen, he's actually talking to husbands. He says, if you want to care for your family well, it actually starts by caring for yourself. It says Ephesians chapter five, it says in the same way, listen, husbands should love their wives. How? As their own bodies. Now, lots of things that Paul could have said here, as your own soul or as your own spirit. He didn't use that word, but he was pointing to something supernatural. He says, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but what? Nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Now, there's a lot to be able to unpack, even just from that one. We wouldn't be able to get into all of it, certainly not. But fundamentally, what Paul is saying here is that the call and duties we have to love others starts from being nourished ourselves. That there's a care for ourselves that is critically important, meaning taking care of yourself, taking care of your body is a spiritual act. It is one. Finding this rest is a spiritual act to be able to step into the thing that God has for us in our lives. That part of being able to love your wife or love your spouse or love your kids or love your coworkers or love your small group or whoever starts with having a healthy love and care for ourselves to come up under what God cares so much about when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means being nourished in the love of God. That from that place will be the wellspring so that if you're hateful toward yourself, then it manifests in all your other relationships. That if you aren't caring for finding rest for your body, then it'll manifest in how you relate to others. God cares about this whole thing and he's in it with us. And he wants us to receive maximum health to first receive his love so that we actually have something to give away to everyone else. And so here's the question. What are the regular rhythms that you have built in to be nourished? What are the regular rhythms that you have built into your life to be nourished so that you have plenty to be able to give away? That's the question we're asking. I want to just do uh, just to go through a couple of things just to begin to ask the question, what could it look like to be nourished personally to find rest for ourselves? Now, let's, let's, let's just make an assumption here that the main objective for you from like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. is work time. 
I understand everybody has different schedules, but just generally speaking, eight to six, that means you got 10 hours where you're just going for it, right? Getting, doing all the things, you're giving your life away, helping people out, doing the jobs, right? You're going to work, headed to school, cleaning up the house, being the taxi for the kids, doing your homework, trips to the grocery store, prepping the food, making all the things, doing all the stuff. It's work time, right? It's work time, eight to six work time. And guess what? That's not a bad thing. Work is good. God's got crazy, awesome, beautiful, powerful things for us to do and accomplish in him and for his namesake from eight in the morning till six in the evening, right? But that's just 10 hours, which means there is a 14-hour window where we aren't working. There's a 14-hour window, or I should say this, there's a 14-hour window for us to be rejuvenated, to get filled up, to find rest. Now, we get a chance, again, if you missed it uh, last week, you can go back and listen to the, the rhythm of Sunday, or if not Sunday, but I'd say the Sabbath rest, Sabbath rest. But there's this body, soul, spirit that needs to be rejuvenated on a regular basis, 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. There's this window. And the question is, what rhythms help you find restoration for your body, soul, and spirit. So here's what I want to do. Just going to go through it quickly, and then we're going to finish up this morning. What rhythms, let's start with the body. What rhythms actually help your body be restored? This is a question. And every one of us gets to answer this question uniquely, right? Now, I just want to start with the obvious. Are you getting enough sleep? How many of you, you love you some sleep? Come on, sleepers. Yeah? And then how many of you are like, I'll sleep when I'm dead or whatever, you know, like I, are you the, like, I don't, I'll, if I, I'll sleep if I have to some, okay. It's a few of those. All right. Okay. Um, all kinds of studies that have been done on sleep, all kinds. And we, you can Google all the things, but they've done all these studies. All kinds of studies have conclusively linked sleeplessness to irritability, anger, depression, and mental exhaustion, period. You can look at all the things, but basically the bottom deal of these studies says if you don't eat well, or you don't eat well when you don't sleep well, you're not in a good mood when you haven't slept well. Newsflash. All right. You don't have as much energy when you haven't slept well. And just everything kind of spirals out of control. And when your nutrition is compromised and your mood is compromised and your energy is compromised, then all of a sudden those 10 hours that you're supposed to be able to take on all of a sudden become really, really challenging. Most studies actually say that you need, they say a minimum of seven hours. They think eight hours is pretty good uh, to be able to be fully functioning. Every person's different, but seven, is, seven hours is kind of the cutoff and that there are legitimately less than 2% of the population, 2% of the population that can function on less than seven hours without it affecting their work. Sleep's an important thing. They did they actually did a study, and they had 14 people that tracked their activities, and one group was given seven or more hours of sleep, but the other group was given less than seven hours uh, of sleep. And so uh, without them knowing, they were given the rhinovirus, which is the common cold, which is kind of, I don't know, sounds shady, but anyway, it's what happened <laughs> It's like, I guess they made them sign off on, sure, whatever, I'll do this study. So they did this study. They did not know. They were all given the common cold. They were exposed to it. The group that got 
more than seven hours of sleep were three times more likely not to get the cold than the group that got less sleep. Three times. So there's, that's the cool fact for the day. You can just put that in your pocket. All you sleepers, you're like, I'm, I'm staying away from the rhinovirus or whatever. Point is this, make a, make a plan for a healthy rhythm for sleep, whatever that means for you. And I, I, this would be one of those where I'm preaching myself because I don't always do sleep very well. But it's important for us just to be thinking about on a regular basis the rhythms that we have in our lives for our bodies. And of course, there are things beyond that, more than what we could get into, movement and walking and exercise and stretching and all those things and eating healthy food. Those are things that are important to the rhythm for rest. It's okay every once in a while to go to Taco Bell. Just don't make it a normal thing, right? Taking care of our bodies is a spiritual act. It's something that God cares about. When he says, love the Lord your God with everything, when he says with your strength, he means your person, having space for that. Which brings us to that place of the spirit. What are the rhythms for the spirit that are helping you be restored in your spirit? I love if you've read uh, Psalm 46, there is a, uh, it's an incredible, powerful psalm talking about the leadership of the king of the universe. And he, he says he's moving and mountains are melting. And mankind's bringing wars against him and he's tearing them aside. And he's ruling and reigning. And right towards the end, in all of this power demonstration of God, it says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. Just be still. If we're honest, the daytime is so full and there are a hundred things that need our attention and our time and our energy. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in walking and talking with Jesus throughout our days. We know the scripture says pray without ceasing, but there is, hear this, there is a place for coming to the Lord to find rest. And I think that means putting down the laptop or the phone or the books or the homework or whatever it is and saying, I'm coming for just real, authentic connection with you. Just to be still. I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I'm not trying to do anything. But I need to be with you. For our spirit to find rest, it's locked up in this principle. Be still and know that I'm God. For real life and for real connection and for real restoration. So here, find your time. Find your time. Some of you are morning people and you love it. You love the quiet of the morning. That's your, that's your bag. And then some of you are like the mornings of the devil, right? And that's okay too. You're an evening person. The question is, where's the moments that you have in the course of a day or the course of a week where you just push the pause button and say, I'm going to be still to be with you? Somewhere between 6 p.m. and 8 a.m., that window to say, I want to have genuine connection with you, God. 
I love that Jesus did this. We get to see it actually over and over. He, he took advantage of that 14-hour window somewhere. In Mark chapter 1, 35 says, rising very early in the morning. So all you morning people, you're like, I'm like Jesus. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, which here is like 3.30 in the morning for the love. Can we just, anybody else 4.30 in the morning? You're like, the day is here. Sorry, as we came from West Texas, it just doesn't do that out there. So I'm still trying to get used to it. Five years later, okay. While it's still dark, hear this. He departed and he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed just to be with the Father. We get a few insights to when Jesus prayed. And in fact, we're going to take, in fact, starting next Sunday, Um, we're going to start a new series on cultivating real, authentic, life-giving time with Jesus and what that looks like to do that in our everyday lives. And we're going to look at, we're going to unpack Matthew chapter six and look at the Lord's prayer and just go through that together. That's what we're going to be doing over the summer. And I encourage you to come be a part of that. But here, we just get a few snippets of interaction with Jesus, with the Father. But one of the things that we always see is the life that he's finding when he comes before the Father. And I'm so challenged. I even got to share last week. I often come to the Lord. What are the marching orders? What do we got to do? What are the, what's the hill we got to take? What are the things that the church needs, that the family needs, or whatever? But there's a place for us to come and just say, God, I just want to be with you. To be with the Father, to open up the word and just to be refreshed. To be able to be grateful and glad and bring all the emotions to the Father. To bring the requests and all those things too, but to have that moment with him. And then we'll just finish this morning by just saying, what are the rhythms that help your soul be restored? What are those rhythms that help your soul be restored? What are the things that light you up? There are things that really, really light you up. Some of you are gardeners. Any gardeners in the house? Okay. Some of you you are tinkerers. Like to make the things? You tinkerers? I say tinkerer, yeah? Yes, okay, good. We have a, you have to get a whoop. There you go, okay. I'm I'm telling you, I'm gonna make us a yelling church. All right. Some of you are readers and learners. Yeah? Okay. I love it. Uh, Some of you guys are sharers, meaning you're just like you hang with people. That's... There you go. Okay. All right. Any hikers, nature people? Yeah. (laughs) That was a unique whoop. I love it. That's awesome. Just the, the body of Christ coming together. Love that. There are things that just restore your soul from God's creation. And it's good. It's stuff that God has made, whether it's friends or it's his creation or gardens or and we get to come to it and get refreshed what's the thing that builds your soul up where you go I get to do this I get to be a part of this and I get to exhale a little bit as God loves that stuff he wants to bring us to that stuff and I think it's important whatever your thing is in creation be refreshed in your soul and I know you're asking the question like How could we possibly do all of these things? I don't think you can't get it all done in one day, but the question is, do you have a rhythm? 
God cares about you, body, soul, and spirit. What are the rhythms of rest for each of these areas for you that you're finding life and you've got energy to keep moving forward for all that God has? I'll just finish with this and then I'm, in fact, I'm just have our team come up. Um, one of the greatest stealers, hear this, of soul rest. One of the greatest thieves of soul rest are places of hurt and unforgiveness. And I just, it's important to say, and I think we'll try to unpack a little bit more of that in this series over the summer. But the scripture would say this, if you want rest for your soul, you've got to make amends with others. You can get all the days off and all the things if you're broken inside from relationships that are hurtful and wounding and you're carrying unforgiveness or bitterness, I gotta be honest with you, it doesn't matter all the cool things you do, you'll be dying inside. And the reason that God has built this rhythm is because he has so radically forgiven us. We're made in his image and made to be forgivers. I mean, that doesn't mean you have to trust everyone that's hurt you. Or, and, and, and again, there's more to unpack there, but I just wanna put that in front of us. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry. It's okay to be angry. Just don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, meaning letting it lodge down in you and giving an opportunity to the enemy to destroy your rest, to destroy you. If you're hurt or disappointed, it's okay to be hurt and disappointed. It's just not okay to let it sit there and fester and destroy you from the inside out. And so we want to be people that seek to forgive and to be forgiven because we're both in that place. We need all of it. We're going to take this just a moment to actually just experience rest. And on the first Sunday of every month, we get to do communion together. And that's an opportunity to push the pause button and just get to be with the Lord and say, God, I just want to remember who you are and what you've done. Here's what's great about communion. You aren't bringing anything to the table. What you're doing is receiving. You don't have to accomplish, hear this. You don't have to accomplish anything to receive the greatness and the goodness of God. You come hands open and saying, Lord, I'm in desperate need of you. Thank you for what you've done for me. That's the rhythm of taking the Lord's Supper is remembering what he has done so that you can be, so that we can be, and to allow that to wash over us. So our team, I'm just gonna have our team worship over us for just a moment. And here's what I want you to do. Would you just get your heart ready? If it helps you to close your eyes, I wanna encourage you to close your eyes. If it helps you to sing, sing. But would you just make your heart ready? And if you're here and you don't feel comfortable, you're not ready to take communion, we're gonna let uh, you guys all come in just a moment. You don't have to come, so there's no pressure here. But if you're in this place where you could just go, God, I wanna push the pause button and I wanna remember what you've done. Not what I have to do or accomplish, but what you have done. Your body that was broken for me and your blood that was shed for me. And we remember your faithfulness and we remember your forgiveness and we remember the life and we remember the rest that you give to us because you've conquered it all. 
Father, I ask that as we just prepare our hearts to receive from you, to get, to be poured out into body, soul, spirit, would you make our hearts ready? Would you give us fresh hunger for you? We love you and we trust you and we give you this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. We'll see you next week.